open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Does anybody bring a Bible anymore to church? Yeah? Okay. Now you're supposed to say, and how many of them are red Bibles? Well, you should read them. That was an old joke from a hundred years ago. Um, Matthew chapter 7 is where we're going to be today, and uh, we're still talking about what it means to be a Christian, and this might be the last one, okay? Might be. Might not be, but I think it is going to be the last one. But I really feel like it's one of the most important ones of what it means to be Christian. So um, I hope you'll listen up and listen intently. And I'm going to start in Matthew chapter 7. And I'm going to read these verses. They won't come up on the screen, but they're so familiar that you'll know them as I read them. Um, these are Jesus' words out of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 7. And so here we go. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For what with, with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, and you don't consider the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me remove that speck out of your eye, when you've got a plank in your own eye? Hypocrite means play actor. First remove the plank from your own eye, then you will be able to clearly see to remove the speck from your brother's eye. And then this verse 6, which is grouped into this deal, and it, it seems a little out of place, but it's really not, and we'll talk about it later. But verse 6, Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and tear you to pieces. What does it mean to be Christian? Well, it clearly means, from what Jesus said, that we're not to judge, and we're certainly not to judge our brothers. That's what Jesus said. Don't judge your brothers. And then somebody might go, yeah, but he said, once you get that plank out of your own eye, then you can go back and judge your brother. I, I, let me, let me, when Jesus had the woman caught in adultery, and she was laying there, and, he, and they were all like, well, we, we're supposed to kill her. Moses says we can kill her. And they were all like, they were wanting to kill her. And Jesus said, okay, you can kill her, but the one that has no sin, throw the first stone. Well, we know the story. They all just kind of dropped their rocks and went home. Now, don't tell me they went home and some bozo went home and goes, you know, I went back home and told my wife I was sorry that I was ugly to her and I've made this all right. Now I'm going to go back and find that rock and ask Jesus if I can stone that woman. When he said this about get the plank out of your own eye, he was not saying that you can ever get to a point where you can get the plank out of your eye and judge your neighbor. What he's saying is this is universally true. There's never been a human being that's had their eye clean enough to get the speck out of their brother's eye, and you can't get it clean enough, and there was never anyone that was without sin enough to be able to throw the stone at the woman that was caught in adultery. That just doesn't, it just wasn't going to happen. Why? Because you can't be sinless. And the criteria for judgment 
is you've got to be sinless. And there's only one that I know of that's sinless, and that's Jesus. And that's why he's the judge of the earth. So clearly Jesus is saying here what it means to be Christian is we don't judge. But it's like, for some reason, we as Christians don't really listen to what Jesus says. And you know, it's, it's actually really makes no sense that we would call ourselves Christian and not listen to what Jesus says. That really makes no sense at all. That people would go, oh, I'm a Christian, and what Jesus said about judgment, uh, I just kind of take it or leave it. That doesn't make any sense at all. And so if we're, if we're saying that we're Christians, if we're saying we're real Christians, then we should take what Jesus said, and it should go straight into us, and it should not only become something we, we know up here, it should become something that we know right here. We should never let that enter into our heart. Not only did he say not to do it, he said it wasn't good for us to do it. He said a lot of stuff in his word. He said a lot of stuff in his word to Christians that were so powerful, like this verse right here. Matthew chapter 13. He said that it's been given to you. Now let me stop right there. Because the difference is, there's a difference between being a child of God and being a Christian. Now everyone that's been created by God is a child of God because they were created by God and they all belong to God. And they all have a responsibility and a life from God. All of that. But there's a place for Christians where we know that we need a Savior. We come to God. We're totally... Um, unable to save ourselves, and we, we open our heart and we say, Lord, we need saving. Jesus comes into our life. He is our Lord and our Savior. He comes in and he makes a huge difference in our life. And from that day on, we're born again. And God says something happens for those people that are born again that doesn't happen to the rest of the world. He said, this is what it means to be Christian, that to you, it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. That we as Christians... We've been given some unseen revelations, unseen knowledge, some unseen knowing about the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. And he said, but to the other people out there, they haven't been given this. You know, and again, I say it doesn't make any sense to me at all to say that I'm Christian and I don't believe what Jesus says. This is what he says about you and me. If you're born again, this is what he says about you and me. That we are the most spiritually attuned people on the planet. That we know more about the unseen realm of the kingdom of heaven that's here on earth than any other person alive. Yet, my experience has been in the church, it's almost that we've shunned spirituality. We've almost shunned the mystery of spirituality. It's like you can almost find more spiritual people in the New Age movement than you can in the church. It's almost like you can find more spiritually aware people even in the darkness uh, uh, almost in witchcraft. It's, it sounds terrible, but the truth is, it's almost as the church has pushed away spirituality, pushed away the mystery of what Jesus said himself, and we've just embraced intellect. Wow. It's just that we want to know about it. We want to learn about it. And if we can't learn it, we certainly don't, we kind of discount it. But Jesus said, listen, people, when you're born again, you're given something that is a tremendously powerful and special gift. You're given revelation into an unseen realm that's not given to the rest of the world. You know what this means? You should be spiritually aware. You should know 
what spiritual activity is taking place around you in your everyday life. You should be able to discern if a spirit is from God or if a spirit's not from God. You should be able to discern what is the spirit at work in this given situation. What is going on here? You should be able to recognize the countenance that spirits have. You should recognize the verbiage that spirits have. You should recognize the feeling that spirits have. You should even recognize the smell of spirits whenever your senses are attuned to know what God's saying to you. You've been given the mysteries of the kingdom. If you're Christian, if you're Christian, you should be the most spiritual people on the planet. You should never go to a palm reader. Why would you go to a palm reader when you know more about the spirit and the mysteries of the unseen realm than anyone out there that is that? Yet there's so many Christians that dabble in things outside of the church, dabble in things outside of the Holy Spirit, because they think they can find some wisdom that they can't find in God. And I want to say to you, you're the most spiritually acute people on the planet, and you should begin to believe it. If you're Christian, you should be that way. You should know how, when your life is not going real well, you should know how to move your life into the blessing flow of God, because that's a spiritual knowledge. God wants to give you an abundant life. And you should know if things are not going that way, how do I move my life back into the blessing flow of God? Because there's times that we make decisions and there's times things happen and we get moved out of that place and we're not in that blessing flow. And it's spiritual awareness. It's, it's, it's knowing how to walk into the mystery in the unseen realm that allows you to be able to step back into a place where God can bless you tremendously. We should believe what Jesus says. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, Dee, Dee. Matthew 16. Jesus said this. Another crazy thing he said. He said this to the church. He said, I'm going to give you, the church, the keys to my kingdom. He's about to leave the earth. He's about to leave the earth. He's not going to be there anymore. He's going to leave the Spirit of God for us. We receive the Spirit of God through faith. And now he says, I'm giving you the keys. To his kingdom. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. You, you know, when he gave us the keys, it meant he gave you authority. You know, if you have the keys, you got authority. Yes. Nobody's going to give you the keys to the building unless you're in charge, probably. And so when he gives you the keys, he had something in his mind. This isn't some goofy statement. Jesus didn't waste words. He said this because he had something in his mind. What he said is, I'm going to go back to heaven. I'm going to give you my spirit and you're going to be led by my spirit. And not only that, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom on earth and you're going to have great authority to loose goodness on the earth. You can loose the goodness from heaven into the earth. Doesn't make sense to me to say we're Christian and we don't believe what he says about us. Yet we hear these words and it's almost like they have no impact. It's like we think we're victims. We, we, we're caught in cycles of poverty. We're caught in cycles of sickness. We're caught in cycles of, of violence and, and ugliness. And our, our, everything's in a mess. Our homes are in a mess. Our workplace is in a mess. Everything's in a mess. It's like it's out of our control and we just throw up our hands. And, you know, sometimes people just get on dope or they just start drinking. That's the only way they can deal with it. I had somebody this week tell me, you know, I said, how's your new job going? He said, oh, wasn't for the people. It'd be great. 
I just endure eight hours a day and then I go home. I thought, that's not an abundant life. It's funny to me that we as Christians don't really believe what Jesus said about us. I can't give you life and give it more abundantly. Yeah, maybe for Johnny and Carol, but not for me. No, that's, it's true. He's given you keys to the kingdom with great authority to be able to walk into realm. Do you realize if you have the keys, you're the only one that can open certain doors. You realize that. And you're waiting for somebody else to open a door, and he's given you the keys to open the door. So you have tremendous ability, you have tremendous responsibility as a child of God to know the mysteries and to operate in those mysteries and to loosen and to bind things on the earth and to bring goodness into the earth. Let me tell you another thing. Because you are a free spirit, you're a free will person, you also have an opportunity because you've been given authority and because you have great uh, uh, access to the kingdom realm, you also can loose ugly things into the spirit realm. I, I want you to say this. this. The religious strongholds that are built in the churches in this area and in this day and age have been built by church members. Because they have the authority, they just didn't have the wisdom, and they opened doors they shouldn't have opened, and they stepped into realms they shouldn't have stepped into, and they established strongholds that the church can't seem to get past. Especially in the area of judgment, which Jesus said clearly we're not supposed to do. But sometimes we just don't listen to what he tells us. The area of judgment. Judge not, lest you be judged. For with the judgment you judge, you will be judged. With the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Jesus warns us about judgment. This is a warning. He's saying to you and to me, don't judge because you can't Stand up under the consequences of what it releases because you have authority. And when you begin to judge, you release something in the spirit realm that establishes a stronghold that you now have to live under. That's, you realize that this stronghold is so firmly entrenched in our area that many people don't think you're spiritual at all unless you're judgmental. D listen to me. Unless you're willing to stand up and be judgmental, they will doubt your Christianity when they don't even listen to what Jesus said. Judge not, because whatever you're inviting into your life or into your church, you can't stand up under it. People say, well, Moses wrote back here in Leviticus. It says this right here, and, and that's what we have to live by. And, and the Ten Commandments are this. Well, this is what we have to live by. And what they're doing is they're saying, what I'm saying here is I'm judging others by Moses' words, so I'm going to say I have the ability to stand under Moses' law and stand up under judgment. No, you don't. There's not a person in the world that can stand under the Mosaic law judgment. And stand without going to hell. So when you release that in the church because you have authority, you've been given the keys to the kingdom, and you use your keys to open a dark door, and you release that judgment condemnation into the church or into your home or into your life or even over your own life, you're establishing a standard over yourself and over your realm of influence that no one can stand under.
He warns us about it. He says it's not to be trifled with. The judgment's a dangerous thing. That's why it alone has been given into the hands of God. He's the only one that has the wisdom to handle it. Not you. You don't have the wisdom to handle it. He's given you authority for great good in the earth. But don't use your authority to open doors that you don't know what you're doing. Because it'll bring damage into your home, your finances, your sickness, whatever. It's an established principle. God gives us authority. But there's consequences for our behavior. You see, we don't realize that whenever we begin this cycle of judgment, that we see sin, or we see someone have a, or an offense or something, it doesn't matter what it is, there's a sin, and we make a judgment. And we judge them. You know, well, the Bible says that's wrong. And pretty soon, we find ourselves verbally abusing that person, maybe not to their face, but at least about them. We start talking trash about it. And we don't think it matters because we're, we, sometimes it's even in our own, just our own self. You know, it's just us. We're not saying it to anybody. Or maybe it's our spouse or maybe it's our son or our daughter. Maybe it's someone we're close to, our best friend or something like that. But we just sort of think, ah, oh, it's just between us. I can talk trash if I want to. We don't realize what Jesus said is true. You've been given tremendous authority and keys to the kingdom. You are the living representation of the body of Christ here to release good in the earth. And you have those keys. So when you're doing that, even if you're alone, your words are establishing kingdoms. And pretty soon, condemnation is the result. Condemnation starts coming out. And then after condemnation comes negative action. You know what negative action is, don't you? It's when you shun people. It's when you avoid people. It's when you tell people that they're relegated to this seat or that seat, or they can't do this or that. It's negative action that comes out because we've made a judgment, and the judgment is now working its way through the whole thing, and it's come out now in a negative action. And that negative action is sin. So the cycle starts over. So it's sin, judgment, verbal abuse, condemnation, negative action, over and over and over. And we've established this stronghold in our church. And in churches, and that's why people on the outside church says, I'm not going there. They're so judgmental. I can't stand it. I'm not going to go in there. I certainly wouldn't share my sin with them. They'd condemn me in a heartbeat. That's because we've established strongholds that we can't live under, nor can anyone else. And we call it righteousness. We call it being right with God. It's not what Christianity means at all. Because the cycle goes around and it goes sin, judgment, verbal assault, condemnation, negative action, and back to sin. But the second time around, it doesn't go the same cycle. It goes into this cycle. It goes into sin. And then it goes into self-judgment. Because you can't stand up under it either. And so all your judgmentalism before everybody else, suddenly you're looking in the mirror and it's falling back on you. And suddenly it goes to self-judgment, verbal assault against yourself. And then it's self-condemnation and the negative action against yourself. We see this so much. I, I've never been exposed to so many suicidal people, so many people that 
cut themselves, so many people that tear themselves apart, so many people that want to relegate themselves to nothingness, people that put themselves in situations where they know it's not good for them, and it's almost a self-punishment because they're caught in this cycle of judgment and self-condemnation, and it's just eating them alive and eating them alive and eating them alive. And it's because it goes back to one thing. We're Christian. We should believe what Jesus says. And we should avoid this stuff like the plague. It's not to be trifled with. You ever sit at a traffic light and have people just, it turns green and they just sit there. And you know they're on their phone. Have you ever seen, they're all like this. It really makes me mad. I mean, happens all the time. You know, you're sitting there, okay. And then they go and it turns yellow and you're like, you know. And I judge those people, and I say bad things. I have to confess before you. But the other day, I was sitting at Arden and Bell, and I got an important text while I was sitting there. I was trying to answer that text. It had to be answered, really. I looked up. All the cars in front of me were gone. The guy was sitting behind me. He wasn't honking, and he didn't look like he was going crazy or anything. And suddenly... I felt this self-condemnation, this self-judgment, this, you idiot, you, and I stopped myself. I said, what? But that's how fast it happens. Because I dare to judge, because I dare to step over a line, and I think it's okay, I think it's funny, whatever. It's like suddenly now, whenever I do it, it's like it falls back on top of me. I've established a stronghold that I can't live under. Judge not, lest you be judged. And the measure you use, it's measured back. You see, everything in the world works with an ecosystem. I don't know if you know this. God established it this way. There's an ecosystem in the earth. It's like this is in the ocean, you know, that the little microorganisms, the sun feeds them, and then they turn into... These shrimp-like, they don't turn into it. The shrimp-like creatures eat those, and then the small fish eat the shrimp. Then the mackerel eat the small fish, and the tuna eats the mackerel, and then the shark eats the tuna, whatever. And then the shark dies, and he goes to the ground, and then all the microorganisms eat him, and then they all go to the top, and it starts over again. That's how it is. It's a cycle of life. That's the way it all is. There's an ecosystem in the ocean. There's an ecosystem on land. There's an ecosystem in rivers. There's an ecosystem in ponds. There's an ecosystem everywhere, even in your backyard. Now, what you might not know is there's an ecosystem in business. Sure. Supply and demand is an ecosystem that, that, you know, when Bell Helicopter got, when they built out here uh, east of town, there were all these support businesses that suddenly grew up. Because why? They were part of that ecosystem. It's a business ecosystem. That's the way it works. And it's a cycle of life. There's, there's ecosystems in every single thing on earth. In your relationships, in your marriage, in your everything. There's eco, it's an ecosystem. It feeds on it's a circle of life. Like this. Do you know it's in the spirit realm as well? Do you know that's the way God established it? Because the things in the natural speak of the things in the spiritual, and we can gain understanding of the spirit realm by understanding the natural realm, and that's what it is. We, we see the natural realm, and we realize the reason we've been given authority is because we have the ability to change a spiritual ecosystem, if it's ugly or whether it's good. We have the authority to change that. Hallelujah. Amen. 
But instead of it being small sharks, the way ecosystems work in the world and in the, in the spirit realm is usually there's people that are Christian, but they just never have been healed. They've never really forgiven themselves. They've never really walked under the grace that God's afforded for them. They don't really walk knowing that God loves them unconditionally every day, knowing God wants to bless them. He's pleased with them. They walked with a lot of wounds, wounds from their childhood, wounds from their bad mistakes. And those wounds turned into hurts. And that's how they live. That's how they live their Christian life. They're creating an ecosystem in the spirit realm because they have authority. They're allowing those wounds and hurts to establish negative ecosystems in their life. And it's causing them not to succeed the way God wants them to succeed. The reason the spirit of the Lord sets us free is so we can live in a positive world. And your wounds and your hurts turn into anger and you walk around, you're angry all the time. You're just angry at everything. And, and, and pretty soon that anger turns into verbal abuse and then pretty soon that anger turns into, that verbal abuse turns into violence. And it just grows and grows and grows and it's negative and it's just killing you. You don't really realize what you're under because you've established it and you don't even know in it. And you have authority. You've been given the keys to a kingdom and you're releasing negative things over your life because you will not get healed. You will not submit yourself to letting those deep wounds be healed by the love of God. There's only one thing that can heal you people. The love and the grace of God. That is the... Oh, I, there's no medicine... There's no psychotherapy. Those are great things. They're honestly, they give you great insight. They will not heal. There's only one balm, and it's the Spirit of God and His love and His grace. When you finally come to understand His unbelievable love that never, ever, ever stops, it heals you. You stop living out of your wounds. You stop punishing yourself because you've done bad things. You stop letting the mistakes of your past dictate the decisions that you make. You stop establishing judgments in your life that you can't live under and no one else can either. What do you think it means when God says, it's my kindness that leads to repentance? It's because God understands that violence only creates more violence. Judgment only creates more judgment. He steps in and he says, no, instead of justice and judgment, I'm going to interject kindness. And it stops it. You know, you, you don't have to agree with me on this next point. You don't have to really agree with me anytime, but this is one of those where you really don't have to agree with me. But it bothers me that we claim ourselves to be Christian and we don't believe what Jesus taught and said. It, it bothers me that so many Christians think that our safety is dependent upon us having the biggest bomb. That our safety is dependent upon us being the baddest dude on the block. That's evidence to me right there that we say we're Christian, but we really don't believe what Jesus says. Because don't we realize that that, that warlike mindset, that that warring mindset is an ecosystem that's a negative ecosystem where we spend trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars and nothing ever gets resolved. It never changes anything. And it's because it's a negative ecosystem and it is set on fire by hell because he wants to kill, steal, and destroy people on this earth. And we just, 
we, we don't get it. We think being Christian is synonymous with being pro-military. And I'm not saying, I love our military. I thank God for them every day. It's just this mindset that if, if, if we don't stay ahead of this, you know, that we don't trust God. I said you didn't have to agree with me, so just... But look at this. I mean, the Bible is full of this. The Bible's full of changing the ecosystem that we're living in. He's saying, you know, in Proverbs, way back, this has never changed. This is not just New Testament stuff. This is God. He says a soft answer turns away wrath. You know, you're at work, and people are just, they just make you angry, and they start talking, they get everybody worked up, and they want to make everybody angry, and, and it's like, you have a choice. You can feed into that negative ecosystem. You can get right in there with them and say, oh, yeah, that blah, blah, blah. And it just makes it people more angry. Or you can choose what the Bible says and give a soft answer and stop that. This is the cool thing about ecosystems, y'all. If you take something out of one or if you add something in it, just little. They've proven this over and over. It's going to mess the whole thing up. Like there's been times that people have thought, oh, all we need to do is get rid of this parasite and, and then the world will be a better place, and they get rid of that parasite, and they don't realize that these birds eat those parasites, and that now, you know, it's like everything gets out of whack. But that's a good thing. God's given us wisdom, because here's the thing. If you've got a negative per, uh, ecosystem going on in your world, all you've got to do is change what you do, and it'll change the ecosystem of what you're living in. But if you keep feeding violence after violence and expecting it to get less violent, you're... I don't want to say you're insane, but yeah. You could say that. That's why when Jesus said, if you know, somebody slaps you on the right cheek, give them the other cheek also. It wasn't because Jesus is wanting you to get beat up for the name of God. He knows how this stuff works. He said someone, and that has to be my believers, my followers, have to be those people that stand up and say, no more. I'm not going to feed into this anymore. You slap me, I'm going to bless you. It's hard. But that's what it means to be Christian. It means that we're willing to do the hard thing to stop the craziness in our world. That we're not going to just keep it going. Somebody's angry, so you're going to be angrier. Somebody's loud, so you're going to be louder. You think that's going to get better? It has to change. That's why Jesus said, judge not lest you be judged. You understand that there's something happening here. When you get into that judgment mindset, you're getting right on that judgment treadmill and it doesn't stop. And the final one, Romans 12, 21, don't let evil conquer you, but, let, but conquer the evil by doing good. Let there be God's people that stand up and say, no, more evil doesn't end evil. We're going to do good. We're going to do good. So back to Matthew 7, verse 6. The one that is kind of cryptic. It almost seems like it doesn't fit in this piece of Scripture about judge not lest you be judged. But I want to say that it fits perfectly in there. Whenever I was first born again 40-something years ago, I used to ask people about this verse because it's always been a mystery to me. And I was told, oh, this is talking about your testimony. That after you got saved, you have a testimony. 
And don't throw your testimony before dogs or swine because they trample them under their feet and they turn and tear you to pieces. So it's like, you got to be careful who you share the good news of Jesus with. <laughs> I was like, even back then, I thought, well, that, that doesn't make sense at all to me. I don't, that doesn't make any sense. That's a lame explanation to me. So, you know, reading this, I realize it's exactly in the piece of Scripture that it needs to be in. Because many times when God teaches in his word, what he gives you is bookends. He gives you, he, say, he makes a statement in, at the, be, the beginning of a thought, and he makes a statement at the end of a thought, and everything in between goes in those bookends. That's how we know how to rightly divide the word, that that part of the word is talking about judging and specifically not judging your brothers. He said, don't judge your brothers. The first bookend is judge not lest you be judged. The other bookend is this. Don't throw what is holy before dogs and don't cast your pearl before swine because they'll trample it underfoot. Then they'll turn and tear you to pieces. What is he talking about? Well, can I just tell you something? There's nothing holy in this world unless Jesus made it holy through his blood on the cross. You're not holy because you have a good week and don't say the Lord's name in vain. That doesn't make you holy. You're only holy because of the blood of Jesus. And what he's saying here is, you got brothers and sisters in the church, in the kingdom. They're holy. I made them that way. Don't call something unclean, I call clean. They're holy. And don't you go throwing them in front of the demonic hordes, in front of the dogs and the swine. Don't you go throw them out in front of the... You do realize in Revelation it says that, you know, the word Satan means accuser. You all know that? That's what the word means, accuser. And it tells us in Revelation that he is accusing the brethren day and night before the Lord. Accusing day and night. When we take our brothers and sisters and we think, oh, we can judge them because Moses said we could judge them. We can judge them because Paul said we could judge them. When Jesus said clearly, steer clear of this because you can't handle it. That we throw them out there before our brethren. Throw them out before the demons of hell, and they trample them to pieces. And what's really bad is the second half of this verse. It says, they turn and tear you to pieces. You want to know why some of your lives are in a wreck? Right here. Some of you live under tor being torn to pieces because you've released things in the Spirit because you didn't realize you had spiritual authority, and you went out just on your crusade to crucify other believers, and God says you're stepped into a realm that you can't possibly live under, and you're now allowing things to come into your life. You say, what about the pearls? What are the pearls? Matthew 13 said that Jesus said in a parable, he said that my father was looking for a pearl of great price. He looked around the whole earth, and when he found it, he spent everything he had. It said God bankrupted heaven to buy that pearl of great price. That bankrupting heaven from Matthew 13 is the father sending the son, the most precious thing in heaven, to come and to redeem mankind so he can purchase this pearl of great price. And when we take this pearl of great price, and we think we have the authority to take what Jesus has said is clean and holy and a pearl of great price and cast it before the demonic hordes because we think they've done something we don't like. We invite something into our, into our life that we can't possibly stand under. Judge not lest you be judged. It's the book in scripture. Some of your lives are so just being shredded. 
Because you don't understand the spiritual authority of your life. You don't really believe Jesus' words about the authority you carry. There's these ecosystems and they get going. And they don't wait. You say, yeah, but I'm born again. I walk under the favor of God. Favor surrounds me like a shield. It says it in Psalms. No weapon formed against me can prosper. Greater is he that is in me that he's in the world. And all these scriptures, and I just want to say this, that is so true, but if you, who have the authority to unlock doors, step out from underneath that blessing flow and into a realm of judgment, you've walked right out of the blessing of God and right into a territory where the enemy has legal right to tear you to pieces. Jesus says, believe what I say. If you're Christian, believe what I say matters. What we do matters. What we say matters. We carry tremendous authority to loosen, to bind. You have keys that will open doors that no one else can open. I want you to think about that. You have keys that no one else can open. If you need blessing in your life, there is a door that you can walk through where you can position yourself to find it. And you say, well, how do I find it? That's where you have to know the Lord. You have to know His Word. You have to know the Lord. You have to know His Spirit. You have to know His calling. And you have to know what it means to live in faith. You have to discern what He's given you the power to discern. And that is the unseen realm. So you can step into the blessing of God. He wants you to be there. So what does it mean to be Christian? It means that we believe Jesus and that we can recognize the cycles we're caught in and we recognize how to get out. We also recognize how to get in one that can bring tremendous blessing. You say, well, that sounds like works. No, that's called co-laboring. That's called participation, which God doesn't do any great supernatural work without human participation. Outside of the creation, I can't find one. Always uses a human being before he has a supernatural work. We have the authority. We have the free will. We have the keys. Therefore, we have the responsibility. You have a responsibility. And you can change your life. There's not a person in this room that's a victim. Not one. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you're going through. You have a choice because you have free will. And you've been given discernment to know what God wants to do in your life. And you have the power to do it. He's there willing and able to help you. But you'll have to make a step of faith. You'll have to step into it. I don't know what that area is in your life. I don't know what God's asking you to do. I'm just saying there's a participation here and you can change your whole world because it's in your hands. He's given it to you to do it. And I think it would be nonsense to say that we're Christian and not believe what Jesus says. So let's stand up. I think that probably some of you feel like you're caught in a destructive cycle now. And I just want to pray over you right now that you'd have revelation to know how to disrupt that negative ecosystem in your life. So I pray over you right now in the name of Jesus. And Spirit of God, you said that you are the one that brings light to our life. You're our guide. And so, God, we submit to your guidance. We submit to your light. 
We say, Lord, shine a light right on us, God, and in our heart right now and show us, Lord, how to stop this cycle of destructive behavior in our life. Show us how to end addiction. Show us how to end violence. Show us how to get rid of this anger. God, show us how to break this cycle of poverty that's trying to get into our heart and our life. We know, Lord, with you there's a way, and even one word, God, from your throne can change our life forever. And here's our commitment to you, Lord Jesus. We say you're our Lord, and our commitment to you today, Lord, is that we're going to do what you reveal to us to do. We're going to allow you to change our life by participating with what you tell us. If your marriage is in a rough spot right now, I'm saying it can change. Every, everything can change for you if you're a believer. If you're not a believer, if you're not sure, we just want to invite you to do that, just to come up and open your heart to Jesus. He has so many good things for you. Without the Lord, it's just like you're defenseless in this world. It can be so cruel. And God wants to give you his spirit and his guidance to lead you through so you don't have to go it alone. He wants to speak to you every day and give you wisdom from his kingdom every day. So God, we thank you for that. We thank you that your hands are on us, your eyes are on us, that you care for us. Breathe on your people today, Lord, and, and establish your will in this place. May everyone under this message today, God, walk out of here and never be a victim again. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you're ministering today, please come up. And um, if you need prayer today, don't hesitate to come get prayer. Don't let the enemy talk you out of something good. Be blessed. Thanks for coming this morning.